introduced to you Bishop Armstrong Chega and his wife Rhoda. They come to us all the way from Kenya, kind of through uh, Kentucky and New Orleans. Okay? Armstrong has been here doing some postgraduate studies, as has Rhoda for a time. They've got children going to college in the States, and he's currently in a chaplaincy program in a big hospital in New Orleans, and so they've kind of come the long way to get to Kingston uh, this morning. And uh, he, he has a, he, he'll tell you a little bit more, but he, uh, he's, he's, he's a bishop over 150 churches in Africa, in, in Kenya, in Burundi. Tanzania, Uganda, Malawi, Burundi. Did I say Burundi already? I couldn't remember. And he's, at, he's, he's had petitions from ministers in the Congo to come and also help them implement ministry. Is that awesome? And so we get to lock arms with, we, we have locked arms with Armstrong for literally years and years and years. And, and it's a blessing. And so without any further ado, I'm going to ask you to welcome with me Bishop Armstrong Chege. From Nairobi, Kenya. Amen. Thank you. I'm glad to be here this morning. It's a, really a joy and a privilege to come back every day, I mean, every year, and fellowship with you. Uh, I have my wife with me this Even in the morning, the earlier service I didn't introduce, but, you know, just kind of wave. Uh, <clears throat> Amen. <clears throat> Well, with the time, I may not be able to share a lot of things about the ministry. The pastor shared a few things. We have been invited to work with people from three other nations that uh, we, really don't, we don't even know how we're going to do it. Uh, Congo, Burundi, and uh, Malawi. Now, the Burundi people, what I did last year is I invited them to the conference and I sponsored them. They came, uh, several of the pastors came, and we spent time with them in Nairobi you know, our leadership conference was just wonderful. And this year we are trying to bring at least one from Burundi and one from Congo. And uh, please pray with us because the Congo people have been going through challenge. Some of you who get the news know it's been war after war in that nation. I mean, they've uh, been going through a lot of civil strife and everything else. Congo is supposed to be one of the richest countries in Africa, really. If everything would go well, if they had a good government, if they had a proper organization, they have uh, gold, they have copper, they have, I mean, they have everything. Most of the other nations, we are looking for timber, lumber. I mean, they have more trees than they need. I mean, that country is huge. Uh, it's one of the largest countries in Africa. They, they are, my country of Kenya has about 30 million people but we are about one-fifth of their country size-wise. Uh, so the, and, and their country has about our population. So you can imagine, they have more land than they need, uh, but unfortunately, they have had uh, terrible governments over the years. And so one time, their, their president was richer than the country, and he holded everything, became so wealthy, and yet the country was dying. And uh, even when he died, people didn't want to go to the funeral. I think the funeral had eight people, a president. And, uh, but anyway... Uh, that has been a terrible country in many ways, but the people there, they are longing for, for God. I mean, the, the, the ministry is there. There's a lot of good stories coming there, and they have invited us to partner with them. So please pray. We don't even know how we're going to be involved, but we, need, we want to, to do that. Of course, you know about Rwanda and Burudi also, who also experienced some of the worst tragedies several years ago. Uh, some of the movies that have been made, Hotel Rwanda and so on and so forth. Uh, terrible things happen in that general area. And we have uh, started partnering with some of those pastors. I have promised them to go probably in the next one year for a pastor's conference and uh, probably try and build, help them build a few churches uh, like we usually do. So please pray with us. That's for next year. That's our projects for next year. But in the meantime, this year, our main projects are the conference we are doing in Nairobi, as well as the land that uh, you have actually invested in. We still have uh, some balances there, but we want to finish paying off that land. And I told the pastor that this year is the time I'm praying that I will clear that land. Uh, and so keep praying that we'll be able to clear the land so that next year we begin the building of the land. I was just saying, telling Paul Ingrams, you know, one of your members here who has been to Kenya, where the land is, and he was very happy about where we're going to build the new church. So we need for you to help us because we need to make the transition to back to Africa. It's going to take a few more years, I guess. We thought it was going to be faster than it's turning out, and it's been a frustration to me. Uh, every time I meet new people in America, they always tell me, oh, you, you better settle here, remain in America. 
And I said, no, 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 no. I, I, I love America. It's just wonderful in many ways, but I love the ministry God called me to do in Africa. And to be honest with you, in spite of the, uh, the, I have, you know, I could really settle here in many ways. My family is very well established. The kids have, you know, honored us in their studies. My son just graduated last week with highest honors, summa cum laude, with a degree in political science, and he's going on to do his master's. That, that's our third child. And the Lord is doing mighty things with the family, but still we feel that our calling and our ministry is back in Africa. Amen. Amen. So keep praying for us. Even our firstborn, Collins, some of you saw Collins, and his wife, who is an American girl, but both of them are committing themselves to going back to Africa with us. They want to do children's ministry. They love children. So we have all those things in, you know, in, in, the, you know, in the back burner. We are start, you know, start praying that God will show us what to do uh, is a big thing. And uh, we, we, we need your prayers, we need your backing, that God will give us the victory in that area. Amen. Now, turn with me to the book of 1 Kings, chapter 20. Uh, I want to share with you on a message I'm going to call God even in the valley. God even in the valley. And I want to invite you to stand with me to read from the book of 1 Kings, chapter 20. I'll read a few verses from that chapter, 1 Kings, chapter 20. It's an easy book to get to because the books of Kings are big books there in the Old Testament. First uh, Kings chapter 20. We are basically going to read about two kings that were fighting a big warfare. Uh, king uh, Ben-Hadad of the Syrians or the Arameans and then uh, the king of Israel, Ahab. Uh, none of them was a holy king, but uh, as we will see in the chapter, you may have your problems, but still when you're on God's side, you are still on the safe side. And uh, that's what happened with Ahab, who not a very good king, but he happened this time to be on God's side. Verse 1, then Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, gathered all the forces together. Thirty-two kings were with him. Please note that. He had also not only his soldiers, but the soldiers of 32 other kingdoms. He was like a senior king. The others were what we call vassal kings, supporting kings under him. And they were with him with horses and chariots, and he went up and besieged Samaria as the capital city of the northern kingdom of Israel, and he made war against it. Verse 2, then he sent messengers into the city of Ahab, the king of Israel, and said to him, thus is Ben-Hadad, now the king, your silver and your gold are mine. Your loveliest wives and the children are mine. And the king of Israel answered and said, my lord, O king, just as you say, I and all that I have are yours. Verse 5, then the messengers came back and said, Thus speaks Ben-Hadad, saying, Indeed, I have sent to you, saying, You shall deliver to me your silver, your gold, your wives, and your children. And God is on verse 6, I will skip and go to verse 7. So the king of Israel called all the elders of the land and said, Notice, please, and see how this man seeks trouble. For he sent to me for my wives, my children, my silver, and my gold, and I did not deny him. And he goes on and on uh, about uh, the challenge that was going on. Verse 13. Verse 13 says, suddenly a prophet. Now, we don't even know the name of this prophet. It's mentioned twice in verse 13 and verse 28, and we're going to read. Suddenly a prophet, a nameless, faceless prophet, we don't even know, approached Ahab, king of Israel, saying... Thus says the Lord, have you seen all this great multitude? Behold, I will deliver it into your hand today, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So he have said, by whom? And he said, thus says the Lord, by the young leaders of the provinces. And he said, who will set the battle in order? And he answered, you. In other words, you go on and lead, believe God, he will give you the victory. And it goes on in verse 28. Then a man of God, again, we don't know his name came and spoke to the king of Israel and said, Thus says the Lord, because the Syrians have said, The Lord is the God of the hills, but he is not God of the valley. Therefore, I will deliver all this great multitude into your hand, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Verse 34 says, So Ben-Hadad said to him, The cities which my father took from your father, I will restore, and you, shall, you may settle up marketplace for yourself in Damascus, as my father did in Samaria. Then Ahab said, I will send you away, this treaty. So he made a treaty with him and sent him away. And it goes on and on and on. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we want to thank you that you are God of the mountains, the hills, the valleys, and the plains. You are our God this morning. We have many voices, Lord, telling us about the doom in our lives, you know, in the political situation in this country, the economic situation. 
But we want to declare this morning, even through this message, that God, you are the God of every situation and every circumstance. We want to lay ourselves this morning in your hands that you may speak to our hearts and encourage us, Lord, even though we are in the valley. We thank you and we believe you for this and more. To your honor and your glory, in Jesus' name, and all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. Let's be seated, please. Now, uh, if you're like me, every time you turn to the television the last one year, before the elections and after the elections, even last night probably, the news items were about the economy of this country. Every day you hear about it, and, and many times it is how failed things are, even though the government is trying the best they can and everything else, but still the challenges are there. And of course there has been you know, always uh, the prophecy or the, 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 the word has always been doom. I mean, you know, many times you know, there's few encouraging thoughts, but basically is that we are not where we are, and it will take a long time before we will be where we are supposed to be. And so, for a child of God, you wonder, is that where I need to be? Now, the scripture talks about this, and we have seen in the scriptures people who have gotten in a place like that in history. Many times, yeah, you read in your Bible, Genesis, Revelation, the church or the people of God have been through valleys once in a while. And one time, the nation of Israel, the story we are reading right now, there was a mighty king. His name is Ben-Hadad. Ben-Hadad was a very senior king. In those days, if you became a powerful kingdom like the way America is today, then you conquered a few other kingdoms. Some of them, you didn't even have to fight them. If they saw you are really powerful, they said, okay, we agree, we are defeated, even before the battle. And so we choose to be vassal kings. Vassal kings who are kings, who are junior kings who said, we will be giving you a tithe. Literally, like a tithe. We'll be giving some of our money, our gold and our silver, as long as you'll be our senior king, we'll be kings down here. And so the 32 kings you hear in this chapter were vassal kings. They were supporting kings to the Ben-Hadad. So he's coming again is Israel. Israel is just alone, except they have God on their side. Israel was just alone. Now, Ben-Hadad is a mighty, powerful king, the most powerful kingdom of that time, and he has 32 other kings with him, and their armies joined together. And can you imagine if you had been Ahab on the other side, and all you have is a little capital city of Samaria, of northern kingdom, and you have to understand this time, the kingdom of Israel is also divided by this time. There's a southern kingdom and the northern now is only the northern, and they are coming against you. How many soldiers do you have? He had only 7,232 soldiers, period. The other enemy had over 100,000 soldiers, foot soldiers. Can you imagine 100,000 against 7,000 soldiers? I mean, this is doomed from the start. I mean, there was no way they were going to win against this mighty force, against them. And so the message comes from the mighty king, and he wants now to make him one of the vassal kings. That's what he's saying. He says, I have 32 with me. I want to make you the 33rd vassal king. You'll be serving me. And so he tells him now, the message is, from now, your silver and your gold are mine. What does he respond? He made a big mistake which sometimes you and I do make when we hear the television news, everything else, doom, doom, doom. The next thing we start talking like them. You start talking like the world. The world says you have doom, and what do you start saying? Yes, we are doomed. King Ahab made a mistake that all of us sometimes make. He said, okay, I agree with you. My Lord, he even called Ben-Hadad, my Lord. We read with you. He says, my Lord, I agree with you that my silver... And my gold, even my own wife. Can you imagine he said even my wife and my children are yours? Ben-Hadad said, no, 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 you don't understand. I didn't mean that they are just symbolically. I mean, I'm going to send my servants, and they are going to come and literally take some of that gold and the silver and your wives and your children. He said, oh, I didn't understand. Now, it's kind of called, thank God that this other message came because it shook him up. To understand that the devil never takes an inch. He wants to take a mile. You give him an inch, he takes a mile. In our lives. Anytime you allow the devil and agree with him, he does not take a little bait. The devil comes to steal, to kill, and destroy, and he's not about to enter into some negotiation with you. You agree with him, he comes all the way with his demonic forces. And that is very important why a child of God has to learn to talk like a child of God. You've got to train yourself to talk like the child of the king. I was saying this morning as I was explaining that I'm doing some chap chaplaincy work in uh, New Orleans. 
It's a one-year program, and I learned that one of your members here did that program in the 80s, when we were still in high school. Where are you, our sister? Yeah, she's here right here. I forget your name. Renee, she did the same program I'm doing, but she did in the 80s. It's called CPE, Clinical Pastoral Education. It's a one-year program that you take to qualify to get certification for, for chaplains in prisons, in the army, in hospitals, and so on and so forth, that kind of a program. So that's what I'm doing for one year. And uh, when I went there, of course, I expected people to talk like Armstrong Chege. I've trained myself over the years to talk as a child of God. I will not allow any dirty word to ever come in my mouth. For the last 40 words, uh, 40 years, I have never cast anything. I've never, I never used a cast word. Because I trained myself, trained myself not to talk some of this. And then I get into this hospital. It's a big hospital. We have, it's a 500-bed hospital. And we have uh, over 3,000 employees, about 3,000 employees. And then we have uh, the chaplains, the team, we have about 10 of us. And I thought that everybody would speak like me. I mean, you know, they are chaplains anyway. They, they, are, they are all graduates from Bible colleges and seminaries. All of us have at least a master's degree. The, the least educated chaplain is, has a master's degree. So I'm thinking these are people who've been to Bible colleges. They, they are, oh my, they cast. Every sentence is full of some funny flowery language that I'm not used to. And I'm thinking, oh my God. And then I am going into the hospital itself and the nurses everywhere. I'm hearing language I'm not used to. And I said, probably that was okay for me. Because it's like I've been insulated over the years. For these many years, I've always been in a Bible college, a seminary, a Bible school, a church like this. And normally nobody curses in the church. Have you noticed how people control themselves? <clears throat> they don't talk funny language when they're in the church. Like, you know, so I'm, I'm used to good, holy language. And then I'm, you know, I'm there and I'm just in a, in, a, in, a, in a... And that becomes a test of your life. And you are, do, you, do, you, do you then compromise and come to that level? You just have to be careful because you have always to live above reproach. Amen. Your testimony is not sometimes, it has to be all the time. Amen. That's the call of every child of God. That is a message that this man forgot, Ahab. Ahab was a child of God. He, he may have had his weaknesses. Now, that's what I said earlier in the service, that sometimes you come, but as long as you are within the camp of the believers, you are in the safe ground. Amen. Tell somebody you are in the safe ground. Amen. Right now. When you are within the church of Jesus Christ and you are a child of God, you are in safe ground, including your problems. Because God loves you with all your mess. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes I say, if Jesus, see the Bible says that uh, God, Jesus loved us while we were yet sinners. The Bible says that in the Romans. It's God commanded his love to wants us in that Christ died with, for us while we were yet sinners. So now you point at my problems. I tell you now, listen, he loved me well while I was still a sinner. So now that I'm in the kingdom, oh, I'm his beloved in spite of my challenges. Amen. And so Ahab was in his mess. Ahab was in a situation where uh, he was unbelieving and everything else. But one little thing he had is that he had been born, born an Israelite. He was in the right ground. In spite of his foolishness, he was in the right camp. Amen. This morning, you are in the right camp because you are a child of God. You are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. You have the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yeah. Ahab happened to be in the right ground in spite of his foolishness, in spite of his bad, bad, bad confession. He says here, he tells the, the king, who this time I want to say is like the devil, the, the enemy coming. He says, oh, you are silver and your gold belong to me. He says, yes, my Lord, they belong to you. Made a wrong confession. And then, of course, the, like I said, the devil will not take a little bit. The Syrian king, just like almost representing the devil, says, yes. You say to your wife, I'm not taking just that. I'm coming to take everything you got. And he shook him up and he now decided, oh, I'm going to do something. And he goes now. After the confession that he had made, which was wrong, he goes to his friends in Israel. Amen. Now, let me say this. This is very important. When the battle gets to be against you, you've got to remember that you have brothers and sisters in the church. Amen. Don't fight it alone. There are times that depressions, fights, struggles come against you. Your marriage may be on the rocks. Don't give up. You have people here who love you and who care. Amen. Some of you who are new and you are not used to the people and you are thinking you are alone, you are not alone. In the fellowship of the saints, none of us is supposed to feel alone. 
We are part of the body of Jesus Christ. Amen. And the Bible says that we are like organs that need to depend upon each other. Amen. Some of you may not be very, you know, we never see you here leading the worship and everything else. But let me tell you this morning, every child of God matters. You have one of the, that's one of your main, uh, you know, core values of this church. Every child of God, you matter in the kingdom. Amen. It's very important where as long as you are in here associated to the, with this church, a member of this church, or even visiting, as long as you are associated with this church, you matter. God takes you very, very special. You are a child of God and you are special. Somebody say amen. amen. So now, in Israel, Ahab said, now you can take my silver and my gold. But when he said, no, I'm taking a little bit more, he went and sought help. He sought help from the counselors. I'll come there in a short while. But something, this confession of Ahab shows that he had neglected his spiritual heritage. There are some issues about his spirituality or his background that he had forgotten that are very, very important. That's the one I want to touch right now. He had forgotten a few things. Number one. He had forgotten that the nation of Israel, however little they were, they belonged to God forever. That's a key thing. Possession. That it does not matter how many demons in hell or on earth and everywhere else. I'm a child of God. I may be little. I may be whatever I am. But I'm in the kingdom of God and God is for me. If God be for me, who can be against me? Please understand. You belong to God. You are a child of God, and it does not matter whether you have a, a, a 10 degrees or no degrees, whether you have a good job or no good job. As long as you are in the kingdom, you are in a secure ground. You are in a safe ground as long as you are in God's kingdom. He forgot that Israel forever, Israel, remember Genesis chapter 12, when God called Abraham, he told him, I'll give you a nation. That, that shall be my nation. In other words, and he said, listen, wherever you shall be, when your children bless somebody, they shall be blessed. In other words, it, it will not matter whether they'll be rich or not rich, whatever they are, when they say be blessed, everybody will be blessed. Because you shall be a blessing. Listen to me this morning because we represent Israel. We are the Israel of God. Whatever we bless gets blessed. And that's why I have to be careful, like I said earlier about my mouth. What I say because I don't just speak, I speak as a child of the king. I speak like a prince. I make declarations, and what I speak becomes reality, and I have to be very careful because what I speak is valuable. It is connected to heaven. Amen. Amen. See, whenever, if you go to England, where they have a monarchy to this day, Prince Charles has to be very careful what he says. Now, he's not the king yet. Now, even his children, the grandchildren to the queen, are not the, the king. But you have seen even the papers. Let them do a little mistake. You see it all over the world. Why? Because they are princes. They belong to the king's family, to the queen's family. The same thing about a child of God. Whatever I say, do, or think matters because I am a child of God. And I need to walk carefully because I, I am covered with the glory of the king. I am his child. Amen. As many as received him to them, gave me the power to become the children of God. Amen. You are that child. And so you need to walk. Don't be like Ahab. He forgot his heritage. Don't you forget your heritage. Number two, he forgot that God has good plans for his people all the time. In other words, God has not just left you to go. No, no, the Bible says in the book of Jeremiah 20, 29 verse 11, I know the plans I have, not will have. I have right now. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. In other words, my future is not based on the economic situations of America. My future is not based on what somebody will say about my life. My future is not based on some preacher somewhere or something that whether he prophesies good or bad for me. No, no, no. My future is based on the plans of God, what he has said, and he has good plans about my life. Amen. Please base your life on what God has said about your life. He has good plans for his people. Hey, listen. We, according to the word of God, he says that he has inscribed our names in his very palm. I mean, that is very close. Another verse says you are the, the apple of his eye. You are special. So, whenever I go, wherever I be, whatever the, the circumstances. This year, so I, even in Kenya, I think, no, no, last year, <clears throat> the leadership there sent me a letter. They said, uh, 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 Daddy, they call, uh, several of the pastors call me Daddy because we've been with them forever. 
They said, uh, we think we should cancel the conference this year because of the financial situation. I mean, every report is coming and our country is in a mess. Our country was worse than America by far. And even right now, as I go to this conference, I was telling the pastor yesterday, you know, everybody in America is saying, oh, the economy is a mess. I'm saying, oh, they really don't know what mess means. <laughs> the average American doesn't know what a mess is. You only need to go to Africa and Asia and South America, and you will know what a mess is. I mean, the, econom the econ economic situations in most of the countries around the world are a terrible mess. I mean, people live way, way, way below the average poor American. But you know, even those countries, we have to learn to live by faith. It doesn't matter what country it is, it is important. And you know, once in a while, you know, one of the lessons I'm, I'm hoping that the believers in America will learn is the issue of living by faith. Because apparently, most of us have been living according to the economic situation of the country. So when the economy gets shaken, so many people are shaken. You know, and the, the Bible says that there are some foundations that will get shaken easily. I hope you don't have that foundation. You need to have the foundation in God that says it does not matter where it is. God, see, it says, my God shall supply all my needs. Not according to the economic situations, not according to the American systems, but according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. My God, even in the darkest of valleys. You see, the situation in Israel was interesting because after the first battle, the Israel overcame many, I mean, this big army. And the people went home and they said, oh my goodness, how can we have that little kingdom fighting us and defeating us? And the counselors came together. See, they had many gods. They said, oh, I think we know, we know, we know, we, we just know. See, Israel has the gods of the mountains. So we're going now to plan, attack them in the spring. It says there in the Bible, you go and read that chapter again. He said, we're going to attack them one more time. This time we're going to the valley. We've got the plains. And we'll attack them and we'll defeat them because their God is the God of the mountains. And so they say now they're getting ready. So a prophet of God comes and tells Ahab, Ahab, even though you have overcome this first round, don't sleep. That's important. When battles come in your life, actually Ephesians, you remember that chapter of dressing up, Ephesians 6, about be strong in the Lord and power of his might says, after you are dressed up, do stand in readiness for the next battle. Amen. Just because you overcame one battle does not mean it's over. The enemy will not leave you alone as long as you're in this life. is a warfare. We are called to warfare. So even in him, you know, the prophet says, oh, Ahab, oh, don't rejoice. Don't, don't start dancing around yet. Get ready. Dress up and ready because another battle is coming. But he turned in, there is something very special that I have to tell you, though. That was good. You know, it's good to be led by the Holy Spirit. Amen. He told me, I'm going to tell you something. Now, you have to understand this man of God, and we don't know his name. He's faceless. We don't know he's nameless, but thank God he had the word of God. And that is also an encouragement for some of you here who nobody knows. And you feel like the Lord can't use me. This guy, we don't even know him. But God used him mightily. One of the most important times in the history of Israel, God used a faceless, nameless prophet. We don't know, we don't know about him, but the glory of the Lord shone through this prophet. He comes and tells him, listen. I have known, and you have to know he was not an Aramean, he was not a Syrian, he was not there in their meeting. They are meeting in, the, in closed doors, but he said, oh, they are meeting in closed doors, and this is what they are saying. He was not there. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he tells the king, they are saying, they are meeting right now in their parliament, and this is what they are saying. They are saying that they will come against you next time in the spring, and they are coming to fight with 32 kings, with the armies. And they have said that our God is the God of the mountains because you overcame them on the hills. So they are now planning to come in the valley. And he said, don't you worry because God has spoken. Hallelujah. It's wonderful when God speaks about a situation. He says, and what God has said is I, they have come against me thinking I'm a God of the mountain. But now... This is verse 28b, the middle of that verse. He said, because the Syrians have said the Lord is God of the hills, but is not God of the valley. Therefore, I will deliver all this great mountain in your hand that you may know that I am the Lord. Now, you've got to understand that. It's kind of interesting. Because he did not say, I'm going to overcome them so that you'll be happy and rejoice. No, no, no. You have to understand that every victory, listen, this is very important. Every victory in your life is hinged on the glory of God. It's not for you. It's not about you. 
See, sometimes we think we are the center of the kingdom. No, the glory of God is the center of the kingdom. He does what he does for his honor and his glory. He told Ahab, you see, God knew Ahab was a crazy king. He said, I'm going to give you the victory, Ahab, in spite of your foolishness. Not because of you, but because I am God, so that the whole world will know that Jehovah is God. I'm doing it for my own glory. I'm doing it because Israel is associated to me. They are named after me. And because of me, I'm going to bring this victory so that the, the nations will know that Jehovah is God. Every victory that you get in your life is not about you. It's for his honor and his glory. Even Jesus himself said about it. He gave two reasons why he wanted to answer our prayers. He said, when you pray, just pray in my name. He said, yeah, because so that God will receive the glory. Actually, he said, and of course he said he wants us to be, you know, he said, so that your joy may be full. He wants us to be happy that he answers our prayer. Of course. He wants us to, but he said that the greater purpose for which God answers prayer is for his own glory. So you see, you know, and this is, this is very important because, you know, many times the enemy will come and try to bring negative things. But the only thing I want you to understand is God never breaks his covenants. Yeah, this is the next thing that they forgot. When he said, oh, you can take my silver and gold, he forgot something. This is very important again. Ahab's silver and gold, even his own wife and children did not belong to him. Because everything you have belongs to the Lord. You cannot give it to the enemy. Amen. So God comes along and he reminds Ahab, Ahab, we are not talking about you. It is my name that is at stake. It's my glory that is at stake. You don't give my children. You don't give my children because Israel belongs to the Lord. So he's saying, I am a covenant God. I promise Israel that I protect them. So my covenant is at stake. And I gave this example and I want to give it quickly here. In Israel, way back when in the times of Abraham, God called him in Genesis chapter 12. He says, Abraham, I will make you a great man. I will make you a blessing to many people. And then you know, the promise was, was established. But then God comes in Genesis 15 and he says, I want to reaffirm what I told you before. And he said, I want you to sacrifice for me. Make a lay, uh, the, the, sacrifice the animals, cut them into two. Blood was spilled. And you come and they used to walk like this. That, that is, after they spilled the blood, the meat was on one side, the other meat on one side. The two people came and walking on the blood. Let's, let's do that, Pastor. They would walk on the blood. Both of them are walking the blood. There's meat here. There's meat here. And they would meet in the middle and agree and enter into a covenant. And that covenant meant even if you had been my enemy, from that time we became brothers. We've, you fought for me. I fought for you. I defended you. That was a covenant entering into a covenant. Very strong. However, because of human weaknesses, I would sometimes fail. I may want to help, but I would fail. He would fail. And so what happens, thank you, what happened is that God in Genesis 15 tells Abraham to do the same thing. So Abraham is waiting and he's very happy. He does the meat and everything else. He's waiting for God to come where well, the Lord doesn't come so quickly. The Bible says he waited until evening. He's tired. He's weary. And instead of the Lord coming, comes the vultures wanting to eat the meat. And he's busy fighting the vultures away. I wish I had the time for that one. At the time I preached about uh, uh, fighting the vultures away kind of thing. <coughs> We are not going to talk about this day. But anyway, he was fighting the vultures. And finally, in the evening, there's the glory of the Lord comes. A smoking furnace, fire, and it's what we call in theological terms a theophany, the appearance of God. A, a mighty appearance of God came and the glory of the Lord came. And Abraham is waiting for the fire to come and stop where? In the middle, remember? He came and he's waiting for the fire to stop in the middle. And then he would walk on the blood and then they would shake hands with the Lord. No, 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 no. Read your Bible. He says the fire of the Lord came from one end all the way to the end. And, and Abraham is sitting there and if he's talking, he's saying, Lord, we don't do it that way. That's not the way we do it. You're supposed to stop in the middle and I meet you and we agree. But you see, God's covenants are not based on human standards. However holy you are, the Lord knows you can fail. He knows our weaknesses. He knows us. You know, just like David says that, you know, I'm just but dust. He knows that. He knows our weaknesses. And so he came from one end to the other to say, Abraham, I know you. I love you. You're my friend. And yet I will base my covenant on me and me alone. 
God's covenants are based on his changelessness, what we call immutability of God. It is because God does not change that I can always know that when I am weak, he is strong. He gives me the strength. I don't have to worry about my life because I know it's hidden in him. And if God be for me, I'll always be more than a conqueror. Amen. Amen. So he reminded this guy. He was trying to tell Ahab, Ahab, I'm a God of covenants. You are the covenant people. I don't break covenants. That's why in the time of Abraham, he has come from one end to the other. Guess what? If he had told Abraham to come halfway, we would be in a mess even right now. Because very soon Abraham is sleeping with his mate. The next thing we know, he's lying that his wife is his sister. I mean, we would be in a mess if the covenant was based on the righteousness of Abraham. We would be in a mess. But God's righteousness was based on him and him alone. Amen. So whatever you are calling upon the Lord, you see, it's not based on you. You know, sometimes the devil will tell you you are not doing right. You are not righteous enough. Don't worry. Jesus is righteous enough. Amen. Jesus is righteous enough. We live by faith in the Son of God. You see, that's what Paul says in, in Philippians chapter 3. He says, now, I used to think in the righteousness of flesh. He says, I used to base my righteousness on what I could do, on what I could do in Philippians. But he says, when I came to Christ, that was like rubbish, he says. It's like nothing. Because I realized I'm not going to base my life on my own righteousness, but on the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. Amen. So even for you, with all your challenges, even in the valley, the darkest of valleys, I want to remind you, God is a God even in the valley. Whatever valleys you, you are in, God is still faithful. His covenant is real. It does not change. We are a covenant people. Man breaks their promises and their covenants. God will never break his covenants. That reminds me of a story that I'm not going to read, but I'll tell you quickly. In Numbers 22:24. I didn't mention it earlier, but I want to quickly touch on this one. In the Numbers 22 through 23, chapters 22, 23, and 24, there's a man called Balak. A king, he calls and he says, I want to cast Israel. They are messed. I mean, everywhere they go, the Bible, the description is they leak everything. I mean, they destroy. They, 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 they leak uh, all their enemies like an ox leaks salt. I mean, they were powerful. He said, I want you to come and cast them for me. Uh, pour a cast on their life. And there was a prophet. We don't know, by the way, where this guy came from. He has a very spiritual power, authority, and spiritual authority kind of almost demonic. We don't even know him very well, but he's there called Balaam. So he calls Balaam. He says, I'm going to pay you a lot of money to cast Israel. Just cast them for me. So he comes and he tries. You know the story. That's why it is written in three chapters. He tries to cast Israel, and he could not cast Israel. And actually, when he opened his mouth, instead of saying, I cast you, he blesses you. Remember that story? One of the most beautiful, very hilarious in the scriptures where he's trying to cast Israel and every time he opens the mouth, instead of casting them, he blesses them. One time he even blesses them of the future. He says, out of you shall come a mighty star. Who is he talking about? Jesus. Very prophetic. This bad king, he wants to cast them, he blesses him with a savior. Powerful, powerful portion of the scripture. But the point I'm saying, he could not cast them up until, and that's not written so much in the Old Testament as we find it. We understand it in the New Testament. That's where we understand what happened in the book of Peter and the book of Revelation. It's what we know what happened. When he could not cast them, he went quietly to the king. He said, listen, these people, you cannot cast them. There's no way you can cast Israel. You cannot cause them to fail. They are blessed people. The only way is that they can cast themselves by opening a loophole of sin in their lives. And he told them, now you make uh, some big parties, some worship uh, orgies of your gods and your women to come there and have sexual relations with the, with the Israelites and just mess them in their sin. And you know what? They will cast themselves. Guess what? He succeeded. And over 20,000 people died in one day because of that foolishness. In other words, the devil will not have a loophole in your life as a child of God, unless you allow him. Amen. It is you who is open. If you open the door, Israel, in Numbers 22, 23, and 24, they opened the way. There was no way they were going to be cast by Balaam. Balaam tried. He couldn't. He blessed them. But when they opened the way, they suffered the consequences. I want to say this this morning. In the Bible, there are several stories. I'm not going to read them, but just mention them. In the Red Sea, when Israel is going through the Red Sea, we find Moses leading Israel 
Behind him is an army. In front of him is a sea. And on the side is the, I mean, behind is the enemy. And there was no way he was going to have the win. He said, God tell him, lift up this rod and I'll give you the victory. Amen. A dark valley. You know, some of you are feeling exactly like that. Bills, whatever around you in a valley. Moses overcame by just believing God. Gideon had a, a, a big number of people got him. No, no, I, you don't need those people. You only need a little number so that you, do, you will not say you overcame it. See, sometimes you think you fought it. You say, no, have only 300, I'll fight for you. They didn't even kill one person. God killed them for them. Then Joshua, it comes to the city of Jericho. This morning I described it. I don't have the time to describe. But let me say that the walls of Jericho were not just walls like this. They were so wide that you could drive a modern vehicle on top of them. That's how big they were. And yet, by the word of God, they came tumbling down. David with Goliath. Uh, I mean, a, a shepherd boy, again, is a mighty general in the army. And God gave the victory. He says, I come against you. You come against me with a spear and a sword, but I come against you in the, in the name of the Lord. Overcame me. Finally, Elijah and Elijah, but especially Elijah, with the 450 prophets of Baal. One prophet against 450. What? The glory of the Lord comes down and the victory is won. What am I saying? That it does, matter, does not matter how poor you are, how, how big the challenge is, as long as you have God on your side. Amen. Victory belongs to you. The enemy will speak negative things. You know, it will tell you you can't make it. Your wife and silver and everything is mine, but you have to refuse and talk as God talks. The Bible says we need to be like our God who caused those things that are not as though they are. So whatever problems you have, God says this. This is a beautiful verse in Isaiah 43 verse 2. He says, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Now, do you feel like you're overwhelmed by situations? I do feel that sometimes. You know, sometimes the Lord, I used to sing a song that says that I thank God for the mountains. I thank God for the valleys. Because if I didn't have those problems, I would not have known that God can solve those problems. Sometimes the Lord allows those challenges that are in your life so that he will show his mighty hand when he delivers you. Amen. Most of the stories we remember, can you think about it? All the stories I've mentioned about Jericho, about Goliath, about Gideon. Why do we remember those stories? Because somebody was in trouble and God delivered them. See, we remember those kind of stories. The same thing about you. You see, when you go through challenges in your life, the stories you remember is when you're in that valley, and then when you're going through the waters, the Lord did not allow you to be drowned. When you went through the fire and you didn't get burned, then you can give glory to the Lord. It's very important. So it does not matter what the enemy will bring against me. I cannot be drowned in the rivers and the challenges of life because God says I will not drown. Amen? And it's important to know. When the, spirit, when the enemy comes against me like a flood, the Bible says, God himself will lift up a standard against him. Now let me close with these few uh, words. Number one, which happened in this story, is that he needed counselors. He needed friendships. When you're in trouble, please seek out godly counsel. Amen. Seek friends within this fellowship. Seek people who help you. you know, Ahab made a big mistake, but finally he realized, oh my goodness, I can't do it alone. He calls for the elders of the land. That's what the Bible says. And he tells them this is happening. So God gave him the victory. We need to know. The Bible says where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. So that's very, very important in, 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 to know. Another thing is, I want to have people close to me, a few people. I may be a member of this church, but I need a few people that can pray with me from time to time. Amen. People I can call in the night. My wife and I have friends in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and we know anytime we are in challenge, I mean, whatever comes, you know, if somebody is very sick or something is happening in our ministry, we can call them 3 o'clock in the morning. They will not mind. We call them. And so, and you know, some of you know how close I was to Pastor Eric. And uh, I mean, if I needed, I mean, had any challenge, I called him any time. And he knew Armstrong can call. The same thing with him. Whenever he realized that the challenge was coming with the illness, I remember I was among the first people he called. He said, Armstrong, we need to pray. And I told him, I'm coming through. I was, going, I was coming from some place for ministry. I stopped here and we prayed with him. You know, you need people in your life that you can pray quietly with. Amen. People that you can, you see, people who know your nakedness but will still cover you. 
Amen. And pray for you. And you need those kind of people who know, who do, you know, they, they know your weaknesses, but they still love you the way you are. Amen. You need a few of those kind of people in the fellow. That's what happened with Ahab. Ahab, in spite of his foolishness, he knew where to go. He went to the elders. The wise elders said, listen, I have a problem here. Can you help me? They said, yes. And among them was a man we don't even know, a mighty man of God. Don't you worry. God has spoken. Amen. We need that if we are going to go through the valleys of life. We need to do that. Israel had a problem because they had always been on, uh, you know, valleys. You know, I mean, valleys of uh, different opinions. God told them, no, you need to have one opinion that I'm your God. Very important. I'm not just the God of the mountains. I'm also God in the valley. Amen. So whatever valley you are, God is a God of every situation. Now, let me, uh, as I close, say this. What are the odds against you? What are the challenges? Physical. God himself will win your battle, even against those odds. God himself will win your battles with physical discouragement, spiritual discouragement. Could be your marriage is on the rocks. Possibly the economy of this country uh, that has really, like I said, everybody's saying, you know, this and the other. I have told the enemy, no, I'm not going to depend upon the economy of this country. I'm going to depend upon the boundless wealth in the kingdom of God. God has said, I will supply your needs, not according to your understanding, but according to his riches and glory. I'm going to hold on that. I'm going to stand on that. Even this year, I'm planning the conference in Kenya, and that's what I told those people with me that are serving with me. I said, we're not going to cancel anything. We just have to walk by. We have done it before for the last many years. We're going to face the future in the same faith. They just shall live by faith. Amen. And so this morning as we close, every, everybody else may have failed you. There are times that you feel like I'm really in that valley. And the enemy may tell you, well, God overcame for you because you had ABCD. No, it's not a question of ABCD. God is God all the time. He does not change. When you're in the valley, he is God. When you're in the mountain, he is God. When the challenges of the physical body are there, he is God. I have to believe him in every situation. I know he cares about me. He is not only a God when things are going well. No, he is God. And he shows himself even more when I'm in the valley. My character, my faith is established more. Believe you me, my faith is usually established even more when I've been through a valley. A challenge, I call upon him and he comes through, then I'm even better established. That is my God. And I believe he will be yours in a special way as you call upon him. Amen. Let's go before the Lord. Father, we thank you that you, you are a God not only on the mountains, Jehovah Sabbath, God of the armies of Israel. You are God that gives us victory even when we have challenges, physical challenges, financial challenges, material challenges. When our marriages are going through the roughest of storms, Lord, we want to call upon you and believe that you are the God even in the deepest of valleys. We call you Lord. We call you, Lord, the God of the hills, the God of the mountains, the God of the plains. We call you, God, even, Lord, when we don't feel like calling you. We call you, God, when we are discouraged and feeling like uh, there's no hope. We know still that the, the plan that you have for us still stands. Because you are God that bases your covenants not on our knowledge and our understanding, but on your own person. How we thank you, Lord. This morning as we pray, there are some of you feeling like discouraged. You feel like my hope is gone. I am not where I need to be, and I feel like I'm quite in the valley. I want to remind you this morning as I pray for you that the God of the mountains is still God in the valleys. And that the valley you find yourself in, he is going to lead you through so that he may receive the glory. And so that your character and your faith will be established. That's why you are right where you are this morning. Because he wants to show himself mighty by getting you out of that valley gloriously. He is a good God. And so this morning, as we pray, if you want to say, Bishop Armstrong, if you could only pray with me, I want you to pray or stand or whatever the Lord will lead you to do, I'll pray with you. I'll pray with you if you really feel I'm in the valley and I want the deliverance from the Lord. I need the hand of the Lord. Just go on and stand wherever you are. Let's, yeah, let's just stand and, and let's call upon the name of the Lord.
Yes, and if you are saying, yes, I'm in that valley, I'm in that challenge, and I want to walk by faith and have the victory in the Lord Jesus Christ, just stand where you are, and you are saying yes to the Lord. In whatever area it is, God is the God of the hills, of the mountains, the valleys, whatever place in your spiritual life you feel, I want God, please stand up. Yes, thank you, God God bless you, God bless you. Anybody else wants to say yes to the Lord? Whatever area it is, the Lord knows you. He, he wants to minister to you. He wants to bring wholeness and healing and strength in your life. He is a God that does not change. He's a God in the valley, God on the mountains, God in the plains. He is our Father, and He wants to minister unto every one of you. Thank you, thank you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, we thank you. You are Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Sabbath. God that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above those things we ask or imagine. Lord, you know the details. You know the details. That's why you, can able to, you are able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above those things. Because even as we pray this morning, we do not know the details of the future. But we thank you, Lord, that you hold the future in your hands. We thank you, Lord, for the plans that you have for every child of God this morning. Plans that are, are for healing, the, uh, plans are for strength, uh, uh, plans for establishing your people. And Father, I pray that you bring about wholeness and healing and strength upon those that are standing up, calling upon you. You know the challenges in your life right now in the name of Jesus. And I pray that you may touch them and renew them. God, bring life. I speak life. I speak strength. I speak uh, the covenants of God. I speak the glory of the Holy Spirit in your lives right now in the name of Jesus. And I pray the Lord you will minister unto these precious people, every one of them. May your grace, may your mercies uh, come forth in a very special way that your people may know you and, and walk in you and, and victoriously and be mighty men and women of God in every area of their lives. Hallelujah. Let everybody stand up right now as we close together. Dear Lord, I pray for every child of God in this church. They came here and I want to speak blessings upon their lives even as your word has said. And I have shared with them that yes, even for Ahab, who was not such a godly man, but he happened to be in the camp of Israel among your people. Lord, we are here, every one of us. We may have our shortcomings and our problems, but God, we are in the right camp. We are in the camp of the Holy Spirit. We are in the camp of the will and the purposes of God. And I pray this day in the name of Jesus for everybody that came to this church this morning. That Lord, you touch them at the point of their need. You break every stronghold, every curse, every weakness in their lives in Jesus' holy name. And bring about healing and wholeness for every child of God in this place. Lord, surround them with your masters and your grace. And as they leave this place, may they know without any shadow of a doubt that, God, you are for them. Yes, when they go through the valleys of life, challenges of life, they will know that God is the same and is willing to lift them to the next level. By your glory and your power, we thank you and we bless you. And we give you all the glory, honor, and praise. For this we ask by faith, with thanksgiving, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. And all God's people say it. Amen. God bless you. God bless you.